Blog Talk Radio. It's a gridiron stud show and a promo that's got the flow. Football knowledge from toe to toe with Amo, Salamino, and the other host. You already know Chad Wilson brings you the show. Dial us up. Give us a call. We're waiting here to talk some ball. 347-633-9365 is the number to call. So don't sit around. No time to stall. Giving you football from wall to wall. And now we give you our two hosts, Amo and Chad with your breakfast toast. Good Monday morning. It's the Gridiron Stud Show. Chad Wilson and Amo Calamino here with you. It's draft week. Um, the draft's in May now. What are we? <laughs> what well, are we wait a now? second. No, no, no. They, they they squeezed one the big day into April. No, oh, did they? Yes, they did. Thursday is April thirtieth. Come on, man. Don't you yeah, have your yeah, Apple iPhone did. watch on or whatever the hell they have now? No, are they selling those yet? I don't know. That's yeah, ridiculous, man. Don't act like you're not going to be one of the first guys. <laughs> no, I will not. No, 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 no. The 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 Dick Tracy special. You're going to get it. I know you are. The Batman watch, uh, right? Yeah, there you go. Shoot something out of there. All right. Uh, it's the NFL draft week. That will be dominating the show talk today. With that in mind, though, we're going to start off with something so not NFL, at least not yet, and that is the Bruce Jenner. Bruce Jenner, that was all over the timeline, all over social media this weekend. Bruce Jenner coming out telling us he's a girl. I didn't watch this, Amo. I think you did. I believe that you did. I did, um, and you know what? You're going to find my take on it probably surprising. Yeah, well, I definitely would want your take on it. I, I, I caught, <laughs> Although I'm know, not sure I can surprise you anymore, but, but, but I, think no, I think I'm I caught bits and pieces uh, of it, um, you know, more bits than pieces. For some reason, I wasn't terribly interested in this going in. Uh, maybe a little more interested coming out, perhaps. But, um, you know, perhaps you could lead the way on this. What, well, what, what I miss, Emil? Come on. I went into it, it with, with the expectation of what probably a lot of people feel who didn't see it, or maybe they, they saw it and they still feel this way, that it was either a stunt or, you know, this guy was just some Hollywood stunt. Yeah, you know, like, like you know, publicity. Let's face it, the Kardashians are are above nothing. Whoa, so I, I, well, well, before you launch into this thing, let me let me let me let me take a thirty second time out, okay? Why would he or anyone involved in that family need more publicity? Listen, why? I have no idea why, but they seem to always search for more and more of it. So, I went into it figuring. You know, this. I'm going to come out of it disgusted. Where, where I'm going to go with this is, I actually feel bad for the guy. I watch mm-hmm. the. I watch the thing. I think it's genuine. I, I don't understand it. I don't pretend to understand it. But I also know that, you know, this guy for people who are under the age of 40 will not understand. For people under the age of 40 and even 35, maybe because of the cutoff, you know, Bruce Jenner has. The guy who walked around the house on the Kardashians with a, a puss on a lot. That, I mean, that's really mm-hmm. how most mm-hmm. of them yeah. know him. You right. know that he was one of the best, if not the best at one time, athlete in the world. Yes. Uh, considered um, so all over the Wheaties box when I was a kid, uh, you were forced to know who he was. Um, correct. Based on what he did. And the decathlon is one mother yeah. of an event. You have to be. In the, in the Olympics. You know, competing in the Olympics and winning a gold medal, uh, you know, for the men's side is about as masculine a thing you could do. And in that event, in that event, you do everything. Yes. You yes. throw a javelin. A real test of your manhood. Yes, yes. Uh, and endurance and everything else. And there so you are standing at the top I, I, I guess what I'm saying is, uh, I guess what I'm saying with, with specifically him is I looked at this and said, you know what? It's not a stunt because this guy, I mean, let's face it. I mean, this guy was a man's man as far as pe- guys were concerned back then. And I genuinely took away after all the interviews and people that came on, his sister, that, that this was legit. I mean, this guy has always felt torn. They explained a lot in the show about homosexuality and that, you know, the guy's not, not a homosexual. He 
likes girls and will continue to like girls even as a girl. I mean, it's just uh, and that the <laughs> I get separ- so confused nowadays with everything that's going on. You almost need like a card, like you know, when it's late in a game and yes. um, you know the coach is not sure whether you should go for two. One of those goddamn cards, I think I need. Yeah, to well, navigate I think my do. way around. The- and and I kind of you know that part I learned a lot about you know I'm in the in the interview with some experts I mean just basically the way that he explained it is listen I've always inside felt like a girl in other words like his sister mm-hmm. said uh, or he said when he was a kid he was like nine years old now, this is like prior to doing all this stuff he said he would try on his sister's clothes I mean I don't mm-hmm. un- listen I'm not sitting here trying to tell you that I get this hey, but you know psychologists will tell you that. Uh, a lot of young boys do stuff like that, um, and they yeah, and they uh, explained the difference. They, they did. They said, you know, there's like just because your son's seven and he starts playing with a Barbie doesn't mean he's transgender. You know, so they said, don't mm-hmm. freak out. You know, they said. Yeah, I, I mean, it continues. That, right? Yeah, it continues on into life, and I, you know, I guess all his he's on his third. Chris Jenner is his third wife. Mm-hmm. Um, his first wife, who he had children with. Uh, he, he told her, and you know, she, she accepted the, 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 you know, basically the cross-dressing stuff. But he said, you know, wait, he, wait, he told he told her when, just in the, when they were married back then, and she kept yeah. his secret all this time. Yeah, she, you know, he said the big thing is he, his, if he had one fault, it was he was never emphatic enough about how strongly he felt this way. You know, she felt the guy had some mm-hmm. proclivity toward some unusual behavior, and he said, you know, like all women, he said this mm-hmm. that they always figure I can fix this. You know, I'll be a nurturer. Sure. You know, so. You know that was the first wife, and then and then the second one came along, and I guess you know she, she knew you know at, at some point, and mm-hmm. kind of uh, eventually you, you know it was part of not the, the they still get along, but it's part of the reason the marriage dissolved, and and Chris Jenner knew, I mean that he liked he would wear he said he would wear women's clothes in in their bedroom, mm-hmm. and and and, she, and and Diane Sawyer asked him you know. Well, what did she say? Well, he said when it was time to go out, she'd say, okay, put on your clothes. You know, basically, like, just disgust it, like, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah. I guess, I guess in, in his in his inner circle, this was not as uh, surprising some of the things he did, but I think the surprise was obviously telling his kids that, you know, hey, listen, I want, I want to, like, be a woman full-time here. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think that yeah, was... Right. Uh, listen, I mean, I know it might surprise you, but I actually, I really do feel bad for the guy because he seemed tormented. You know what I mean? When you watch this, mm-hmm. it was almost like this guy went through his whole life tormented. And that's yeah. the part I feel uh, bad about, to see somebody go through their, their life tormented. Uh, and I would agree with you on that. Again, I didn't watch it um, in its entirety, half of it, any of it. Uh, well, let me not say any of it. I did catch bits and pieces, and I did come away feeling in that way, as well, uh, something a situation really out of his hands, I guess, um, but taking a certain amount of gumption to present this to the world at large, I guess perhaps Emil being uh, in the public eye in the way that he had been uh, for however long keeping the Kardashians has been on TV probably helped him come to this point where he could um, – Make a statement like this. Would you yeah, agree well, you know, we have that? a lot of listeners, I'm sure, in the audience or, you know, in, in general that will take the, what, what we're really well, macho approach, you know, and throw some, some names at him or whatever. But I, I'll say this for the guy. Doing what he did took a lot of courage. You know, people mm-hmm. talk about courage all the time. That takes mm-hmm. courage. It does. You could say what you want about how you feel about it and maybe not understanding it, but it takes courage to go in front of that many people, you know, m- tens of millions and, and and talk about this stuff, especially when you, you look at his background. He comes from a macho background. I mean, this guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, tough. Well, you know, you have any thoughts on that? You could call into. Can the I tell you my day. funniest moment? And I think you know that was the funniest what, during, moment about this. Uh, yes. Okay. Shoot. When Diane Sawyer asked him a question about President Obama talking about transgender in one of his speeches, and, and Bruce Jenner said, yes, 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 he did. He was the first president to ever mention that in a speech. I'll give him credit for that, and that's about it. She looks at him puzzled. She, what do you mean? He goes, well, I'm not a big fan. Really? really? She goes, he goes, he goes, yeah. She goes, are you a Republican? He looks around, he goes, yeah, Diane, I'm a Republican. <laughs> she looked like, oh, my God, you, you swear to God, like, like her whole world got shook when he told just her that. Just to show you how we label stuff around here <laughs> yeah. um, politically, and it's just so not right. There's so much of a media invention 
and creation. Yeah. Um, that Could you imagine, Chad, if he was black and a transgender? Oh, and he said he was Republican? I think she would have passed out. <laughs> would have shattered everything. She probably would have out and out called him a liar right there. All right. You're full of it. Show you the entire show today is not going to be about Bruce Jenner and the Republicans. Uh, this is very much a college football slash NFL football show, more uh, more detailed, and NFL draft show, since that's what we've got coming up at the end of the week here on Thursday. Um, we're going to talk the Miami Dolphins draft, not to depress anyone here. We'll talk about, you know, interestingly, we're going to take a look back at the last 10 to 20 drafts uh, for the Miami Dolphins, and compared to some of the other franchises here, we'll be doing that on the show today, uh, whether you like it or not. Uh, and we'll come up. We'll talk about some interesting storylines for the NFL draft coming up. Will Jameis Winston be the first pick? Now, some, uh, if you're just in general looking at the media, you think that's a foregone conclusion. But is it? Is it? Will Jameis Winston be the number one pick overall in this draft? Is Todd Gurley the best back? Uh, will there be a blockbuster trade? Namely, will Adrian Peterson be dealt? And then another interesting factor. Why are so many guys deciding not to go to Chicago for the NFL draft? What exactly is that all about? We'll talk about all those things on the show today. And if you want to join us, the number to call is 347-633-9365. Again, 347-633-9365. As always, you can join us on Twitter, uh, tweet a question or comment, and that is at gridironstuds, S-T-U-D-S dot com. All right, well, you know, let's jump into this. Will Jameis Winston be the first pick? I don't know that we could answer that. We'd simply be um, speculating on but that. But that's what Should we do. We speculate. Should he be? Should he be, though, Amo? Should he be? If you're the Tampa Bay Buccaneers general manager, is Jameis Winston your number one pick overall? Well, I think that's a twofold answer. I think, number one, the answer is yes, and I think he will be. And, I, and there's several reasons for that. I'll get to that. If you're asking me, if I wanted the safest pick, he would not be the safest pick. But in the NFL, if you don't have a quarterback, you you don't have a chance. So with that said, you know, and a, a classic example of that, by the way, is the Rams. We've talked about them every draft for the last four years. The Rams have good talent all over the roster. They don't have a quarterback, so most weeks they don't have a chance. Right. So well, I wouldn't that, say don't have a chance. I don't well, you know what I'm there. trying to say. When they get in there, they're in better, better shape. No yes, doubt. yes. I think the Bucks need need that position filled, but and they need to you know get a face of the franchise. He fills that need in, in two two spots. One, he's got the talent on paper to be a franchise quarterback. That's not saying he will be. No one knows that. But on paper, coming in, he certainly projects as one. And he's got the the marketing to be the face of the franchise. He's from the Florida area. He went to Florida State. Mm-hmm. Plays in the you know basically he's with the home team now. Um, charismatic type guy likes to talk. Uh, pretty decent interview from the times I've seen him. Um, so you know I think he will be the first pick. If you I told you three weeks ago if you asked me the safest player in this draft I think it's Leonard Williams. I mean if you just said a guy I think will make Pro Bowls and be a very good NFL player worthy of a top five pick, it's, I think it's Leonard Williams. But, you know, you're, you're not taking yeah, Leonard no, Williams. I, and, and, I, and I would agree with you. The safest pick um, would be Leonard Williams. Uh, I would definitely have to agree with you on that. Um, is safe what the Bucks need right now? No, that's what that. they already have guys like Leonard Williams. They have McCoys. You know, I'm not saying he, he, Williams can't be better than him, but, I mean, you know, defensive tackle slash defensive end, you know, Williams is not a classic pass rusher per se in that, you know, he's going to line up as an end in a 4-3 and get 15 sacks. I mean, he's a guy that has position flex. He can go inside in a 4-3 and be mm-hmm. disruptive. He can go, you know, outside a la Richard Seymour in a 3-4. You know, he'll be a guy that will collapse the pocket on the interior, but he's not going to be a guy you take over a franchise quarterback. I mean, the only way – you're taking those kind of guys who are like the Mario Williams. When they come out of college, they project as, you know, the classic, you know, guy that's going to get 15 sacks. Yeah, for me, I think I'm, a, I'm a, along the same lines. If you're the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you're going to swallow hard and you're going to make this pick and you're going to just hope and pray that, um, you know, with money in his hand, he doesn't um, turn into a train wreck. 
you know, right. because right. we're assuming he didn't have money uh, in his hands at Florida State. Um, this is a little bit of a backhanded shot there, but um, you know, we're going to assume that he didn't, and you know, he made some made some errors. People do need to understand he is a young man. Okay, uh, you know, more and more of these guys are coming out after three years. Uh, more and more of these guys are taking center stage. At a at a younger and younger age, you know, when we were growing up, Amo, your junior year, you became the guy, and this guy became the guy in his second year in school. So, um, you just hope and pray that, um, you know, he he doesn't make a major mistake there as the leader of the Tampa Bay Bucks. And I'm sure in the early going, he's going to be on his best behavior. The problem is going to be if he enjoys some early success and become some kind of an NFL star, will he let his guard down and get a little goofy and do something stupid that uh, will hurt the team and the franchise? That's that's the biggest problem and the biggest concern that you have there. No doubt about the talent, all the other stuff about on the field and his throwing motion and all that other nonsense, you know, enough with that already. He puts the ball where he needs to put it, and he's going to have two very big targets very polished wide receivers to throw the ball to off the bat. Yeah, yeah but I see, you know, sort of a parallel. I was telling you, I watched that 30 for 30 on the Marino to Elway, Elway to mm-hmm. Marino, uh, the 83 draft where the six quarterbacks got taken in the first round. Mm-hmm. And I see a little parallel, and this is why you got to be careful with all this draft stuff, with the Marino uh, situation. If you remember, Marino ended up down in your hometown, number 27 to the Dolphins. Um, and, and a lot of coming out of, you know, his, his, after his junior year, he would have projected as one, probably an Elway as two. And then their senior year, Elway went nuts at Stanford, um, had a great senior year statistically, and Stanford was no powerhouse. Pitt was projected to be the number one team in the country after going 11-1 and one the previous year, 1981. And I think they, I want to say they finished second. That was the year Clemson won it. I think Clemson went undefeated. Uh, 12 and 0. Pitt was 11 and 1. Won like the Sugar Bowl. Beat Georgia. They were preseason number one. They went 9 and 3. Um, Penn State blew them out in the season-ending game, and you know it was a disappointing season. Even though they went 9 and 3, and rumors started with Marino saying he had a drug problem, and they persisted to the point that Jimbo Covert, who actually got picked ahead of Marino in that draft and ended up being an anchor on those Bear, the Bear Super Bowl team and the really good teams they had in the 80s was asked in his draft interview, do you do drugs? Because he was, he was Marino's inter, uh, roommate. And he was like, what? And the point is, uh, where I'm going with this, is I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if some of the Winston stuff isn't a bit overblown. And that's the question that it makes me, me ask. Is it, I mean, is a lot of it just stupid kid stuff? Not the sexual assault, I get, you know, the, or alleged. But any of the other stuff, is it just being a little bit overblown? Uh, well, in this day and age, you could say that because there's just so much media attention, 24-hour news cycles, there's cameras everywhere, there's social media where, uh, you know, back in the day something can happen and, and it would only be known on campus, you know, by right. a few people. All it takes is someone to tweet it and another person tweets it, and now it's all everywhere. So, um, you know, like I said, it's just going to boil down to uh, with money in his hand, how is he how is he going to react and is he going to be able to hold it together and um you know, we'll just have to see from there. Um, if not Tampa Bay or Tennessee, then then you know where 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 would a Jameis Winston go? And, and then what is what would be the best team overall for Jameis Winston to go to? I I can't say that that's not the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. When I look at all 32 teams, I can't say that that's not the best place for him to go to. Agree or disagree with that? No, I can't. Listen, he's home. There, the, you can make pros and cons for staying home. You know, the, the, if he has a strong influence in his life from his family, that could be a pro. If he doesn't, it could be a bad thing because he's running around with the same guys that got him in trouble to begin with. So, you know, there's mm-hmm. there's there's pros and cons to that. Um, I think the wide receiver situation that you pointed out is pretty good down there with Evans and what Jackson, right, is the other one. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. so, so that helps. I mean, you, you know, you could say, well, let's send him to New England because Bill Belichick. But, you know, a lot of New England is is, is system driven, quick throws, all that stuff that Brady does that I'm not sure really suits with Winston at this point. You know, a team like I that. I have a so, feeling. Listen, we'll take this from this with you, man. I have a feeling in that region of the country, in that particular area, that I don't know that they would really welcome Jameis Winston with open arms. I just had that feeling. You, you, you uh, get that feeling. That part huh? of Could yeah, it be I the just, Red Sox <laughs> history? <laughs> <laughs> I just, uh, you know. 
<laughs> or could it be those great that... Boston Celtics teams that yeah, look like the they... center of the Oreo cookie when you play a game? <laughs> just the real Harvard look to those Boston Celtics yeah. teams? I just hey, yeah. don't think in that part of town they're going to Well, let me put it this way. No, place. let's be fair here. I think if he was great out of the gate, uh, mm-hmm. winning removes the stench of a lot of things. Okay, And I, mm-hmm. I, I think he would be loved. But I think if he struggled, it would be a real hard situation for him. Uh, yeah, I, I, I would agree. There'd be high skepticism off the bat, so that's going to weigh on you going in. Uh, sure. So, you know, I just no, not 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 New England. Maybe Kansas City. How about the maybe Giants? Arizona. I mean, how about the Giants? I mean, there's a, there's a place where he could, you know, if if he if if the he could sit a year or two. Eli's in the last year of his contract. Um, they're pretty set outside with with Beckham, you know, in the tight end situation with that Donnelly kids. He's developing. Man, I think Jameis needs to play wide right away, Emil. That's, you, you think? Know, uh, uh, yeah, unlike a Mariota, who I think should sit a little bit, um, I think Jameis is a guy that needs to probably play right away. Um, so Tampa Bay, in my mind, is probably the best spot for him, and we'll just have to see how this thing goes. But will be uh, terribly interesting. I was going to uh, say, New York, can... New York, the one bad thing is there's, there's too much trouble. Same thing if he was ever in Dallas. Could you imagine him down in Dallas and he wasn't starting with a lot of time on his hands? No, but you can find trouble in Tampa Bay, too. Trust That's me. That's true. <laughs> on, don't sleep on that town. All right, before we head to a break, let's take one of our favorite callers. Les, my man, you're on. What's going on, baby? What's going oh, on? He's, he's coming coming on with the, I guess, the Barry White. He does. He's got his Barry White going early. What's you're working with here this morning? Uh, it was a long weekend in it was a long weekend in Vegas, man. So you know, well, I, you're not allowed I, to tell uh, us apparently, according to the code. You know, what stays. Are you home? Are Arizona you in Arizona now? C C yes. C. Oh my God! What are you on border patrol or something? Poquito, poquito español. All right. Agree or disagree with us, um, Tampa Bay probably the best place for Jameis Winston to go. Uh, that's the best coach to probably help this young man mature. Um, mm-hmm. And it's the best place for him, you know, socially, so that he can start his career off probably in the – I mean, with, with, with some excitement. I mean, Tampa Bay is the best place for him to get an opportunity to to be the starting quarterback. I mean, there's really not a lot of competition for him. And hopefully this gives him an opportunity to mature as a young man and, uh, you know, he can develop. Um, you know, Lovey's a great coach. He's a, peop- a player's coach. So, I mean, guys like playing for him and why not, uh, you know, James Winston because he's had so much trouble in college. This is probably the best coach that probably could take, you know, take the horns, the bull by the horns and, uh, you know, make, make him become mature. As so, a young I mean, man. is this the kind of coach that he needs, or would you know, or does he need a hard ass? It would would Coughlin nah, be a bad, that, deal, that, for yeah, be a bad deal for him? Would Belichick be a bad deal for him? Him and Coughlin would bump heads. Um, they already got a backup for Tom Brady over in uh, New England, so he, that wouldn't work for him. So, well, I mean, Tampa look, Bay look, is the best place. The depth chart aside, I'm talking about the actual coach. Uh, what about a Mike Coughlin uh, or something like that? I think him and Mike Tomlin to get along, but uh, like you said, Mike Tomlin is the type of fiery coach that are getting the shit if he if he's uh, acting out, not doing things as a professional. I mean, you think same that's thing, what he might course, need? I, I think he needs more of a calmer person like Lovey to. Um, yeah, to but like I don't think Lovey's going to let him. You know, I mean, if you let's hypothetical here, you know, if he goes. Uh, as you said, start doesn't do things as a professional. I don't think that's going to play. You know, I think Lovey's going to sit him down, maybe in a nicer tone, and say, you know, we don't do that here. Right. Well, I think Lovey's more of a softer voice. Uh, you know, Tomlin would probably, you know, really tear into him. But uh, I mean, as far as someone that he needs to, to mentor to, Lovey has more of a, uh, I would say, he has more of an open, I would say, an open door relationship with his players. And Tomlin has an open door, but he's really direct with his guys. This is what I expect out of you. This is what I need from you. And this is how I got to get done. And Lovey probably is a little bit more, you know, relaxed at how he comes off. So I, mean, yeah. I think it would be a great position for him. Right, now, what do you think? Let me ask you this. Chad and I were talking last week about um, 
Mariota. Now, both of us are skeptical on Mariota if he goes someplace where he has to play and, and you know and really be the focal point right out of the gate. We think he'll be best served, you know, sitting sitting down a year and learning the pro game and you, you know the reads that they go you know with the pro offense. What do you think about him? I agree. Wow. All right. Uh, well, that's totally, the end of the I show. Totally, hey, everybody. <laughs> yeah, I they, totally they, agree. They, I, they, I, I, I think I think Mariota is a, is a young quarterback. I think if you throw him in the fire right now, he still has some mechanical things that he needs to fix. Um, this is not college anymore. This is a professional. He's a grown man. Uh, the game is a lot faster, and uh, he needs to learn how to read things. I mean, what he's been doing is the offense has been predicated off of his his side of what he sees and what's beneficial for the team. The NFL is, you know, you know, three-step drop and the ball has to be released, five-step drop and the ball has to be released. And, and I mean, they're not used to seeing defensive ends and linebackers like, you know, like in the NFL. So well, and I think totally as, as, as you're kind of alluding to with what you're saying, I think a lot of that offense they ran at Oregon – you know, with with a lot of the fakes and and some of the things they do with, with his running ability, allowed things to be wide open, things that you know aren't going to be wide open continuously in the NFL just because of correct. that size speed combination that they have. Correct, correct. Yeah, That's what I'm and, and, and the reads have been very simple for him in that offense. It's been the problem for uh, guys that have come out of that system for him. Let let me uh, read off the last ten first picks by the Detroit Lions and. Um, then I'm going to ask you what would you most like to see uh, them do with the first pick that they have on Thursday. It's uh, Eric Ebron, Ezekiel Ansah, mm-hmm. Riley Reef, Nick Fairley, Ndamukongsu, Matthew Stafford, Goster Chirilius, Calvin mm-hmm. Johnson, Ernie Sims, Mike Williams, Roy Williams. You know, Les, not bad with those first-round picks. Uh, the first, not the first guy picked overall. They've not done a bad job with that. That that has been the center of their team right now. Um, what would you like to see them do with that first pick that they have in this draft? I would like to see them um, find a um, a thirty carry running back. I mean, a, mm-hmm. a full time running back. And I think we need to replace uh, the the middle linebackers. Hmm. Well, I, yeah, I don't so, know that you get. I, mean, I, I, I don't know you I, have a middle think, linebacker that's a twenty-third pick overall. Would you you think, or I don't know, is there a guy like that? Well, I'm quite. So you're sure probably looking Beasley. more for a running back, correct? Uh, I would like a running back, but if Vic Beasley makes it that far, but I'm quite sure he's going to be taken from Clemson. I mean, I mm. think he'd be a great linebacker in in, in that system. Um, mm. I mean, I like the kid Ray out of Missouri. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he because he's had some problems, uh, I guess surgically something happened to him. I think he may have to have surgery or something. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I would like I would like another defensive end, but I mean we we should be pretty good on defense. I mean, I would say I need a running back. I really need a running Melvin back. Melvin, yeah, I mean they replaced Sue with the kid from Baltimore, the guy from Baltimore, uh, big guy with Nagoti, Nagata. There you go. They got him and then and then I think, you know, I've seen some people saying a Malcolm Brown to be to fill out that other defensive tackle uh, spot, but I have a gut feeling that if a Gurley or Gordon, who who I basically would say are if you were giving grades an A for Gurley and an A minus for Gordon, then I think you got a lot of B's and B pluses with a lot of good running backs, but I think those two set themselves apart. I think if either one's on the board, you could see the lines go that direction. Which would you I prefer love, out of those I, two, Les? I would love Gurley. All right, Gurley it is. All right, man, we gotta we we gotta jump into our break here. We're we're long past due, man, but always good hearing from you. Hey, take care of yourself. I wish we all could head out to Vegas for a weekend. I'm going back, baby, for the fight, too. Oh, boy. Wow. He's living large. He is living large. Are. Two slaps on the radio, two, and this guy is two, in Vegas. Two weeks in a row, baby. Box. We're getting it in. We're getting it <laughs> in. Oh, my goodness. Well, we won't hear from him until July. No. He's a gunner. He's a goner. <laughs> yes, man. Thanks hey, y'all for calling got, the You show. guys have a great day, man. Love y'all. Bye, Les. All right. Yeah. All right, let's jump into a break. When we get back, is Todd Gurley the number one back in this draft? Is he really? We'll talk about that and more when we get back on the Gridiron Stud Show right after this. 
You want the truth? Well, here it is. Speed kills. And in no other sport is that true than in football. Speed gets you to the end zone. Speed gets you to the ball carrier. Speed makes you a winner. Do you want championship-type speed? Do you want speed that kills? Then Complete Speed is what you need. Complete Speed is turning athletes into game breakers. With quick and easy methods that are easy to understand, Complete Speed can shave time off your 40-yard dash, make you quicker and more explosive. They have a clear progression, drills, and exercises, along with specific instructions. They also have proven sample workouts and programs for you, the individual, or for you, the coach. Speed is what you need, so hurry now and check out Complete Speed. Just go to gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed. That's gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed for more information right now. Oh, get a grip. Where you get that from? Because somebody told us it? Don't go there with me. You want to keep it real, you keep it real with me. Because I ain't for no game, okay? here on the Gridiron Stud Show, Ann Iverson, the very famous Ann Iverson, she ain't for the games, man, Amos, she is not for the games, and neither are we, we're talking NFL draft here on the Gridiron Stud Show, before we went to the break, I did ask the question, is Todd Gurley the number one back in this draft, should we just follow along with that, because the media is saying so, I'm not sold that he is, Amos, my thing with Todd Gurley is this, you're in the National Football League, it's brutal, it's not uh Vanderbilt it's not uh you know some of these other lesser schools that you face early on in the season when you're in the SEC I don't know if you could just run and go start running into people and that was my biggest issue with Todd Gurley is yes it was nice in college to just go run through people run over them and break tackles and hop out of them and keep going but in the National Football League that gets to be very expensive and, and this guy wasn't that runs the knock the on contact. Adrian Peterson it was, but how many Adrian Petersons are out there? So to come and say that this guy's the next Adrian Peterson, I don't know about that. Todd Gurley was, you know, had some durability issues, and I, you know, I don't know that Melvin Gordon is not closer to a Todd Gurley um, than maybe people want to want to talk about here. I mean, Melvin. Oh, Gordon wait a second! I think he's definitely very close. I think I think the people yeah, who are just—they're neck and neck. They're, they're neck, neck and neck. neck. I agree. Listen, I, I would take either guy on my team. Um, I think the size-speed combination of Gurley is intriguing. I mean, you, you know, you get a guy, a man that size, it's running four three five. I mean, <laughs> you know, that that's a load to deal with. Now, I agree with you, the knee is of some concern, but knees today are not what they were even 20 years ago. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he to me, if he's there, he's the pick, but I think it's very close. I agree with you between those two, I think. Like I said to you in last show, on last one we did, I think it was last Monday, we talked about this. For the Cowboys, I'd like to see them get Gordon. I think he runs mm-hmm. plays that at Wisconsin that um, Dallas runs. So I think he's he's almost mm-hmm. a, you know uh, the cliche. He's a plug and play type guy for a team like the Cowboys. So I, I I think it depends who you are, but I think if you're just going on ability, I, I'd put Gurley slightly ahead of Gordon. In recent drafts, we've had a problem with running backs being picked uh, in that first round. Uh, we're going to get two here, it looks like. Do we get a third, you think? And no. I, like running back what I've read, and listen, now? you would probably know more about this than me because you can look at film and tell me what you see. What I'm reading and what I'm hearing is, depending on who's picking, a lot of people like the kid from Indiana as as the third in this group, uh, which is deep mm-hmm. this year. Um mm-hmm. I, I'm hearing at least when I'm reading on my, you know, Cowboys being a team that needs a back. I mean, to me, there's three teams that I think definitely go running back, and Gurley could go high because of his he's shooting up boards. I could see Gurley going early if he does to the Jets. But to me, you got the Jets, Cardinals, Lions, and Cowboys specifically looking at running backs. Um, and I've heard that if if these two go in the first round, Coleman is a second rounder. That's what that's what I've heard. Okay. Well, you know, things things get crazy uh, during the draft. It only takes one, you know, little trade or something like that for things to change. But that's well, this what whole, I've heard listen, as well. Before we go any further, this whole back thing changes early in this draft if if a chip falls with Peterson. Now, I personally 
think Minnesota's trying to do a Herschel Walker here. They're hoping, as I like to say, there's an ass for every seat in life, mm-hmm. and, and they're they're trying to find the ass to sit in their seat mm-hmm. yeah. because they're asking right. for they're asking for a ton for a guy, regardless of how good he is. He's 30 years old, and you're gonna have to pay him nine to 12 million dollars somewhere in there a year. Um, and if someone pays it, he may go. I think he stays in Minnesota because I think they're purposely pricing him high because they figure, listen. Once the season starts, Adrian Peterson's going to act like a pro. Once he gets on the field, he's going to run hard, and he's not going to sit out and turn down $12 million. Yeah, I agree. And we talked about this in a previous show, is that if they could hang on to him long enough, he's not. Uh, he doesn't strike me as that kind of guy that's going to do the major holdout thing and pull all those uh, type of antics out you know, he can't. Bag. He's oh. 30 years old. He's got two, three, four years left to make this kind of money. What's he going to do? Hold out and turn down 12 million bucks? Um, no, no. But there's just a really big part of me, Emil, that would like to see him move out of Minnesota. And I've already said I'd like to see him go to the Cowboys just to see what that would look like. Um, I, you know, on the one part, yeah, Minnesota didn't really back this guy in his time of troubles. So, so for that's one of the reasons I'd like to see him move out of there and go somewhere else. But on the uh, flip side, I do want to see Minnesota um, perhaps get a young back in that backfield with a young Teddy Bridgewater. You know how I feel about that. Um, The Cowboys really had the formula in the early 90s, um, and some of the other successful teams during the franchise have um, been successful because around the same time they got the quarterback, they got the running back, they got that number one wide receiver, and they kind of got them all around the same time you know so let's you got Bridgewater I don't want Bridgewater to grow up and have a lot of success because of Adrian Peterson and Adrian Peterson's out of the league and then he you know takes a step back because you don't have you don't have that guy in the backfield that teams need to respect so things start to change for I think if they well here's here's the only thing I see together it'd be great I don't see your hope coming true for the I don't think he goes to the Cardinals or Cowboys they each have managed their cap fairly well to stay under it this year they finally starting to straighten some things out there. They've built successful teams the last couple of years. I think they're going to stick to their formulas. The problem for Peterson becomes if a team like Jacksonville or Oakland leaves the reservation and says, you know what, we need to sell tickets first and foremost, and this guy will at least make us very interesting, and you mm-hmm. see them give Minnesota a very high first-round pick for Adrian Peterson. That's something I could see happening. And I could see one of those two teams doing it. Now, would it be smart for them long-term? No, because, listen, Jacksonville might be a five-win team or a four-win team without them. Maybe they become a six, seven-win team with them. They're still not going anywhere this year. They're, they're building. So, But would it sell tickets? Probably. Yeah, I hate, I would hate to see that happen to them. I'd hate to see the guy head to Jacksonville. So, um, you know, hopefully – that kind of stuff doesn't, you know, doesn't happen for him. But he is in play. There's a chance we could have a blockbuster deal. The other part of uh, the draft that would lead to some kind of a blockbuster deal is Marcus Mariota. There's a lot of talk about Chip Kelly trying to get their guy. I'm going to let you, just let you know right now, I don't want to see that for Marcus Mariota. I just think if he ends up in Philadelphia, he's going to run that college offense. And I think that thing is on limited time here. And I really feel like Chip Kelly's not long for the NFL, so he would bring this guy in. He'd start his NFL career off running a college offense. Chip Kelly leaves, and then he hasn't become a NFL quarterback uh, by that time, and then he's going to have to start the whole process over again. I think that could really, really crush his career. But nevertheless, there's a lot of talk about um, Chip Kelly doing what he needs to do to get him. Well, you know, there's a huge side of me that wants him to end up in Philly for several reasons. One would be, the amount of, you know, to go from 20 to number two or three in this draft to get him is going to mm-hmm. use so much ammunition that, you know, Chip Kelly's placing a lot of faith on his system because he's going to be giving up players and picks to move that much. You would agree, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, does he care? <laughs> no. Doesn't look like it. No, but I'm a Cowboys fan. Let's let's be honest here. So I would love to see the Eagles strip down their franchise to get the guy. I mean, go ahead. Have, a, have at it, Chip. You know, because... <laughs> What you're going to give away to get him, he better end up being John Elway because if he's not, you, you guys are going to stink for a long time after you leave, okay? Ultimately, I think that's going to be the reason why this doesn't happen and while this offseason it seems that Chip Kelly's calling all the shots, I think when it comes to something like this, I think some people may uh, grab his wrist and say, hey, you know, hold on, slow down there a little bit. Um, 
And, well, so if, there's any, if there's any sanity left in Philadelphia, I agree with you, because what it would take to do this in terms of you'd have to probably give away four picks or, you know, some combination of, you know, two to three picks and a, and a, a starting caliber player that they're asking for, you know, whether it be a mm-hmm. linebacker or a lineman or something. So you're going to end up really hurting your franchise moving forward. I just I don't see it happening. Besides, I really think at this point, even though I I hate to say I really don't know if I want to see him there. I, I think he goes to Tennessee. They have a guy in Mettenberg that they want to see what he's all about. Um, he could at least sit that year behind Mettenberg. I don't think they're. I deep down I don't think Tennessee is truly convinced that he's their guy. And mm-hmm. you can never have when you're a Tennessee. Let's say. The other guy turns out being phenomenal. He goes to the Pro Bowl. Well, Marriott is still able to be traded, no different than Brett Favre was traded from Atlanta. So, Yeah, uh, that's another interesting part for me, too. I'm with you. I don't want to see him go to Tennessee. There's nothing there. You can't name anyone on Tennessee's roster. If he's forced into early action there, I think that's going to be suicide for his career. I'm already on record as saying uh, somewhere like San Diego and Kansas City, probably the best place for Marriott to go. And if he is not picked by Tennessee, there's a chance he could – slide that far down in this draft to where he would land in one of those spots, which would be ideal. Let's still talk about possibly the Jets. I don't want to see that at all. Well, why would the uh, Jets? I mean, I mean, listen, are they already ready to quit up, quit on a guy that's only in his third year? Foolishly, it sounds like it. If you want to believe some of the media people, it, you know, idiotic. You know, you didn't give Geno Smith anything to work with, and um, you know, many a quarterback has failed under Rex Ryan, so let's get him under, you know, something a little more quarterback friendly and people who care more about that position, and let's see what he could do. So I would hate to see uh, Mariota end up. The trade I see working, the, the one trade that to me makes some sense, you mentioned it, it, not specifically, but alluded to it, is the trade with San Diego. I mean, by all, for all intents and purposes, every report out of there says, you know, that if this stadium deal goes through, where they build a dual stadium in L.A., and they're mm-hmm. part of it. Philip Rivers, who's in the last year of his contract, wants no part of, for some reason, playing in L.A. I mean, it's San Diego's only yeah, whatever night. Yeah, why is he so adamant on that? I, I don't know. Fun. The weather's the same, Philip. I mean, yes, traffic's a little bit worse, but, you know, you could find a nice place in the suburbs. You'll be just fine, okay? L.A.'s a nice town. But he doesn't want to play there. I could definitely see a deal making sense where – Tennessee sends the second pick to San Diego, and San Diego sends them a, a, a starting quarterback. <laughs> so, right, right, um, yeah. And if and if he's not picked up by Tennessee, there's a chance he could slide down all the way to 17 or 18, where you have the Kansas City Chiefs and San Diego Chargers um, picking back to back. And while the you know, Mariota's people may not want to see him slide that low, you know, for money reasons, they'd love to see him at Tennessee. Uh, at number two, me personally, I'd like to see the guy slide down to the middle of this draft and get picked up by either one of those teams. So that's or the Eagles the... at that point could jump in and really offer a king's ransom to somebody to jump ahead. I mean, if he slides that low, the Eagles are picking twenty, and, and they'll know that he won't get past San Diego or Kansas City. So you could see them, you know, once he starts sliding, you know, you could see a team like San Francisco sitting there or the Dolphins at fourteen and fifteen. Not needing yeah, a quarterback. Yeah, let's just look at this. He doesn't go to Tennessee. Jacksonville thinks they have their guy. So does Oakland. The Redskins claim they're not ready to give up on RG3. We already talked about the Jets. The Bears? Uh, maybe I just circled the Bears here. I, I, yeah, honestly, I can't see him getting past number seven because if you're the Bears, it, you, even with Jay Cutler under contract, you have to realize at this point he's he's a stopgap. You're not winning with Jay Cutler. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they, I think they know that. I hope they know that. Uh, he's he's. Does he's he one get of by the Rams? How team. does he get by the Rams? I mean, okay, I know they made the trade, you know, to, to get the Nick Foles. I mean, come on, Jeff Fisher's not silly enough to really believe Nick Foles, baby. Yeah. So there's too many. You're not ready for you're not ready for to, the Nick Foles era to start in St. Louis. I no. I well, uh, listen. I'm not a Rams fan per se. I mean, I like this. I I don't. I like the Rams. I like the talent they have. I'd like to see What's them get Cleveland a quarterback. Do? Pardon? What's Cleveland do if he falls? Well, I don't know what Cleveland like does. He's... I just know he's not get. Listen, if he gets out of the top ten, I'll be surprised because of what we just talked about. You've got too many teams there. That certainly, especially with Chicago and, and, and St. Louis sitting there, that could definitely use a quarterback for the long term. 
and if he falls in their lap and they pass on him, I don't know. That's gonna, Especially both situations, he can sit, and that's what we've talked about. He could sit for a right. year in both situations. True, true. Uh, I just think the best systems for him are the ones in Kansas City and San Diego. But nevertheless, it doesn't look like something like that will happen unless uh, one of these two teams are willing to move up and bid more than Philadelphia is willing to bid. And I guess there's there's another one of the storylines that we'll be following starting Thursday when the NFL draft comes. Again, you want to join us on the show today, 347-633-9365. As always, you can reach us on Twitter, at Gridiron Studs. Hey, listen, we're going to jump into a break, but when we get back, Miami Dolphin fans, um, if you're feeling high this morning, um, this might bring you down a little bit. If you're feeling depressed, maybe you want to hide the knives. We're going to talk about the NFL draft, the first pick, the first round for the Miami Dolphins over the last 10 to 20 years. It's time to sober up, people, and compare that to some of the other teams. We'll do that when we get back on the Gridiron Stud Show right after this. Hey, 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 do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payouts. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over 600000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and, get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! are you doing? I'm doing some sweet bung sound moves. I'm a little better than everyone else here. Erickson, you must follow direction. You rack a discipline. Nuh-uh, I don't rack a discipline. Minasa, you all need more discipline. True discipline. Definitely me, Amos. I rock discipline. Need more discipline in my life. <laughs> we'll see who's disciplined on Thursday in this NFL draft. That usually, usually kills teams. Uh, total lack of discipline. Jerry Jones lacked a little discipline, and he was overrided last year. How about that by the Sun? I think he's taken over there. Well, for the last few years, I think I think Jones Cowboys. has actually he's done a good job. You know, not going nuts. Part of it, like you said, part of it's just letting the draft come to you, and and realizing that there's there's value. I mean, we've talked about, uh, you know, I, I was just sending you a note. I mean, I, the Cowboys could go a bunch of directions, but I really think they're probably unless you see Gurley or Gordon sitting there, maybe they could move up for one of them. But I think they view the other seven or eight guys in a whole bunch and say kind of what you've said on other shows. We have a really really good offensive line, and a bunch of guys in this draft can get yards behind it. So if, if your name isn't Gurley or Gordon, we're probably just going to make our picks and take take who's there for us. Take you know pick from the group. Yeah. Well, speaking of racking discipline, uh, Miami Dolphins and the NFL draft. It's a sore subject down here. I just wanted to go through Amel and read out the names. Going to read out the names. I'm going to go back the last 11 years, back to 2003, and read off the first guy picked by the Miami Dolphins. Over that period of time, okay? okay. Here's the names: 2003, Eddie Moore; 2004, Vernon Carey; 2005, Ronnie Brown; 2006, Jason Allen; 2007, T. 
Ted Ginn. 2008, Jake Long. 2009, Vontae Davis. 2010, Jared Audrick. 2011, Mike Pouncey. 2012, Ryan Tannehill. 2013, Deion Jordan. 2014, Juwan James. What I just read out there, 11 names. Can you tell me how many of those they hit on? What's our what's the percentage? Here? Okay, well let's go. Start at two thousand three. I don't know who the guy is, so I'm gonna say no. Two thousand four. Vernon Carey. Now he, he was okay, but I wouldn't call that a hit. I mean he no, he wasn't a hit when you used the first round pick, so okay, no. Go ahead. Ronnie Brown. I'd say a yeah on that one. Yeah, Dolphins. Brown was pretty good. Yeah. 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 Jason Allen? No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ted no. Ginn, how long was he there? No. Three starts? Plus, he wasn't a, he wasn't a difference maker by and large. No, he can't. Well, you got one so far. Keep going. Jake Long, you got to say yeah on that one. Yeah, he, he hit and he had some injury issues later on. But, yeah, you know, he was a good, really good player. All right, Vontae Davis. No. Out of no. there, I want to say, in three, four years. Yeah. Gone. Jared Audrick. <laughs> yeah, maybe. By Dolphin standards, yes. Okay, we're not. Where, not- where was he taken? Do you know the position? What number? 28th overall. Okay, yeah, for a 28th first-round pick, yeah, he, he he had a – yeah, he was good. Yeah, go ahead. So two and a half? <laughs> two and a half. But we're at three right now. Mike Pouncey, you got to say yeah on that one. Yes, yes. Ryan Tannehill? And the jury's Maybe. out on me. Jury, I can't might, say yes. That might have listed a call from our favorite guy. Um, 11,000 career passing yards. I don't uh, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm I'm putting a question mark on that. Deion Jordan, we're going to just go ahead and say no. Three stacks. No. Um, and Juwan James, you know, it's 2014 draft. We're still out on that. So yeah. what are we talking about here? We're hitting at a rate of what? The, under 40%, let's say. Under 40%. I think we said they hit on about four of them so far. We'll give them an incomplete on the last year. So four out of ten, they're at 40%. Yeah, and and then you know when I stretch before that, and which which you know if we've got time, I will. Uh, can get a little more murky. All right, let's take a look at some other teams um, over that same time period, and let's just agree on this. Let's just say four other teams that have really controlled NFL football over that same time period have been. Can we agree on the Pittsburgh Steelers, the New England Patriots, the Green Bay Packers, and the Baltimore Ravens? We in agreement yes. on that? Yes. I, I, fact, yeah, I, I would name the same four teams, yes. Yeah, uh, it's kind of facts. Um, so let's take a look at the Pittsburgh Steelers over this same period of time. 2003, Troy Palomolo. Go ahead and say yes on that one. Ben Roethlisberger, yes on that one. Heath Miller, yes on that one. Santonio Holmes, yes on that one. Lawrence Timmons, can we get a yes on that one? Yes. Rashard yes. Mendenhall. Can we say no. yeah on that one? While he was there, while he was there now. Eh, that's a half. Back. I mean, <laughs> he, he, was, right. he was okay. Evander Hood, no. No. Marquise Pouncey, yes. Yes. Cameron Hayward, by yeah. Pittsburgh Steelers standards. Yeah. Borderline, yeah. Were you giving him that? Yeah, I give um, him David DeCastro? Yeah, he's, he's, he's yeah. starting for them, sure. Jarvis Jones. Still need yeah. to find out. Uh, no, he's the same for, for Ryan Shazier. You giving him a yes on Jarvis Jones? Hey, listen, I'll give him a jury out on Jones and and and, uh, and Shazier. But, I mean, listen, the tone of the conversation is simple. We had a whole hell of a lot of yeses in there and not not many will knows. And that that's really – if you're missing we're on your first eight. round – We're talking really eight yeah. out of 11 right there. Yeah. If you miss 11, your first-round so. pick, Chad, you're done. Because the first-round pick should be the one that, even if you pick the wrong guy accidentally, you, you still get it right sometimes just because, you know, by definition in the first round, you should be picking from the best lot of players. True. So this, if you're this, missing this the true, first round, you know, this, you're probably – This could get part- interesting for us because we're going we're gonna to put a percentage down for all of these teams just to give you an idea of what it's like. So – we can say we're going to put roughly for Pitt seventy-two percent. This is compared to Miami's thirty-six percent. This kind of gives you an idea of uh, why things happen the way that they do. Green Bay Packers, two thousand three. Nick Barnett. Yeah, he was a good player for them. Ahmad Carroll. I'm trying to remember what now. Was, was he any? Pretty solid player for them. Pretty solid player. 
Uh, by Packer standards, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and just for the sake of things say, let's say no. Some okay. dude named Aaron Rodgers in 2004. He was okay. Go ahead. <laughs> he did some things. A.J. Hawk, 2006. Yeah, I mean, he stayed there a while and played well for them, yeah. Justin Harrell, no. No. Uh, Jordy Nelson, yeah, very yeah. much a yes. B.J. Raji, yes. Yeah. Brian Balaga. Yeah, he started right on the offensive line. Yes. Derek Sherrod, yeah. not Sean Sherrod, yes or no? Mm, let's say no, let's be fair. I'm going to say yes on Nick Perry. It's your boy. I know you're going to give me a fat yes on that one. Oh, a big fat uh, yes and a, and a fight on. <laughs> Go ahead. Dante Jones. Uh, uh, still need to know. And you know what, man? I'm going to say yeah on Ha Ha Clinton Dix. Can we say that? Yeah. I like the name alone. Sure. Yeah, there you go. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Another team hitting at seventy two percent there. Yeah, I mean New England well, you know I'm gonna save New England for last. Here we go. Baltimore Ravens. Two thousand three. Terrell Suggs, eh? Yeah, he did some There's stuff. He's a winner. Duan Edwards, no. Mark Clayton, I'm gonna give a no on Mark Clayton. No. Although in those early years he was good, just you'd want him to last a little long on your first round, your twenty second pick overall. Haloti Nada, that's a big yes. Ben Grubbs, no. Yeah. Joe yeah. Flacco. Did huh? you say no on Grubbs? Yeah, you are yeah on that or what? Yeah, I Wait. guess so. Isn't he the corner? No, no, no. That's a that's the guard for them. Oh, the guard. Yeah, I'm thinking of the other kid that uh Grubbs. Yeah, but Grubbs, you know, the the offensive line, he, he's had a decent career. I mean, you know, for a guard, where was he taken? What pick? 29th overall. For 29th pick in a guard, you don't you don't say Grubbs, yeah? Maybe. Uh, okay, well, if you're not you sure, gotta... say no. I want to be fair here. Say no. Okay, the Flacco guy, you got to say he's yes. okay. Michael, Michael Orr, yes. Sergio Kendall, no, not by their standards. Um, Jimmy Smith didn't hang around long enough. Yeah, if you ask me, didn't get enough out of that guy. Courtney Upshaw, you feeling? By their standards, I would say yes. Okay. He Matt does what Elam. they need him to do. Matt Elam, jury's still out on Matt Elam. Yep. Um, and C.J. Mosley, I'm going to give him a yes on that. He only had one year going, two interceptions, three sacks, a guy from Alabama. I'm going to say a yeah on that one. Yeah, he was a productive player for them last year, so yes. He was. So we're looking at one, two, three, four, five, six. All right? Six for these guys. You know, and it's too bad I can't go back to 2002 because some guy named Ed Reed. Yeah, well, but whatever. They're still hitting well. They're still hitting over 50, right? Right. 54% for them. And then the almighty New England Patriots, who everyone would say uh, was your top team. Uh, over the last decade, uh, even though they had one Super Bowl win. But here we go. Uh, 2003 for the uh, New England Patriots. Ty Warren, no. Yes, no. Mm, no. Say no on Ty Warren. No. Vince Wolford, yes. Yes. Logan Mankins, yes. Lawrence Maroney was good for that short period of time, but not enough for me. Nope. Uh, Brandon Merriweather, Iffy on he, that, and then yeah, he kind of bounced around. Yeah, he, he they didn't get much out of him compared to what you know where he was. No, I would say no. Gerard Mayo, yes, yes. The first pick for them in two thousand nine came in the second round, thirty fourth pick overall. Patrick Chung, on that I'm gonna give them a yes. Yeah. Uh, Devin McCourty, yes. Yes. Nate Solder. Sure. Chandler Jones. Sure. I mean, I, 23 and a half sacks, yep. Jamie Collins still trying to figure that out. Uh, and then Dominic Easley, you get an incomplete. So what are we looking at here? One, two, three, four, five, six for them as well. So they're, they're over 54. 50. In other words, you know, your point is, is taken when you, when, you, when you break it out numerically, you can argue here and there. But, you know, basically what we're saying is those four teams – have been well over 50% with a couple of we're not sure uh, or that could have been even higher, whereas the Dolphins are well under 50% even if we throw them a not sure. Okay, on mm-hmm. one of them, if we, if we made it a yes. I think the bigger point, though, and you didn't really have time to do this and it would really take more than what we have to do today, is 
I don't think the first round is necessarily as indicative to uh, the draft and how you see teams be successful as if you started studying their second, third, fourth, fifth rounds, because I think that's where these teams really make their money. I mean, let's face it, you and I could probably make first-round picks for most teams, and we wouldn't do much worse than they're going to do. You know, I hear people say that. I don't think it's as easy as people think. I really don't. Um, there's a lot of hyperbole that comes with some of these guys, and just trying to wade your way through that and determine the actual value of a guy, and is this guy who was really great in college going to fit into what we do here? I think people don't really pay as much attention to that as they really need to, and that's where they go wrong. Well, you're probably you're probably 100% right there, but I guess my larger point is it's much easier to not be wrong in the first round than it is after that because then after that you really got to sort through stuff and know know what you're doing and how a guy fits your team because you're going to start evaluating guys who played at smaller schools sometimes or played at Division One schools that were average, you know, maybe some guys coming from Purdue, and you're saying, well, you know, Purdue's not very good, but this guy is. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's where I think you see these teams that are consistently good. They get value in those rounds, and they add guys every year that come in and play and play well for them immediately. Yeah, and again, a big part of it is getting guys, not necessarily getting the best guys, getting the best guys that are going to fit what it is that you do. And to the teams that we've seen be successful, let's think about this now. The, uh, The Patriots, the Packers, and the Ravens, uh, even Pittsburgh, they have a really keen sense of what it is that they do well, um, what kind of system it is they run there, and then finding the right guys to fit into that. Whereas other teams are just picking uh, the best player and realizing, not realizing that that player was really great in a particular style of offense or a particular style of defense, and that doesn't really fit into what we do here. I think right, and I think that, that you said that, which is what you just said, I think is precisely the reason that – if you're if you're that bored and you want to watch one of these mock draft shows, anybody in the audience, learn something and turn on like History Channel or Nat Geo because I think you're wasting an hour or two of your life when people try to project the draft because they don't understand most of these guys because they're not in the building every day what it is the team's trying to do. They don't understand the culture in the locker room and how the people who know that see a guy fitting. And I think you're just guessing if you try to, you know, other than maybe like we can all say we think Jameis Winston will be the first pick. We're going to take a, an educated guess there. But mm-hmm. after that, you really don't know how a guy fits. Like you were saying Todd Gurley. We don't know how he's perceived within, say, the Cowboys organization. Sure, they know he's talented. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't. you don't need to be a genius to see a guy that big that runs that fast. But they may not mm-hmm. like the way he runs certain plays. I'm just saying, I don't know. Right, he may not fit into what it is what exactly they do. That, that, that they want to do. And, yes, that's a really, really big part of it. So much of success in the game of football has to do with the things that the common person doesn't see, uh, uh, chemistry, mental approach, uh, motivation, all those things that you can't really gauge. There are no numbers for it. There's no pie charts. There's no bar graphs. There's none of that stuff there for you. And so much of the success of a franchise or a team is really built into the things that you can't see, and that's what's so difficult for fans to understand when things don't go right um, because on paper and in the things that they could see, it all looked right, but it didn't work out in the end. And we're going to, you know, this this draft will be another example of that as guys you thought were going to be good because of the numbers on the page, whether that will be their workout numbers or their stats through their college career, do not turn out to be good pros. Well, that's, that's for a large chunk of what you just said is true, as you know, if you follow a lot of other sports. In almost any team-building exercise in professional sports, you know the fan kind of misses sometimes either because they didn't play enough team sports, the understanding of it's a puzzle. Everything's got to fit together. You see that in baseball a lot. You know, Teams will roll out all-star teams, but the pieces don't fit together. So the right. average fan says, how can they lose? Well, because, to, as you know, you're a big baseball fan. There's little things you do in baseball over a long season that make you successful. Like, you know, you get enough guys in there who follow off a lot of pitches and, and really put at-bats on other pitchers. Well, you get into the bullpen, right? I mean, exactly. you got a bunch of guys going up there who can hit home runs, but every guy's going up there and taking three mighty cuts, seeing two or three pitches in at-bat. Well, when they go into slumps, what happens? You, you, you don't get into teams' bullpens. You go on long losing streaks. It's it's all how the pieces fit together. Football's no different. I mean, you got to have guys that are willing to do the dirty work. 
You know, you yeah, got to have. It's very, tough, it's very tough for fans, casual fans, and even some who are even into their sports to understand that angle of it. That's something they really struggle with, and it drives them nuts and uh, leads them to all kind of hysteria. But it, a lot of of it has to do with things you just don't see. Well, if it was as simple as drafting fantasy football players, the Redskins would have five Super Bowls the last decade. Oh, we know all about that. We know exactly about all that. going to be interesting to see what the hell they do. during. Where are they picking, by the way, fifth? Are they fifth? Uh, Well, let's just take a quick look. Yes, they are number five. Boy, you have to see. If you're you're guessing with the Redskins, you'd have to see them going defensive, right? I mean. Hey, when you figure out the Redskins, you let me know. And then you let all of the rest of America know, because no one can really figure them out. Do me a favor. Just call them Washington on this show, please, or I'll have to get rid of you. (laughs) Thank you. Man, politically correct we need. Yes, Washington. uh, Thank you. Washington. -er. All right, I won't say it. But nevertheless, all right, we're to the end of the show here. Um, We need to talk about what we're going to do here in the rest of the week. You and I will get together on that. Um, Not sure if we'll have a Friday show. We may need to do another Thursday show and. And, and do another pre-pre-draft show. But nevertheless, I want to thank you all for listening to today's show as we try to dig into some of the storylines here coming up with the NFL Draft. Enjoy that coming up. Big weekend coming up. Aim all kind of stuff coming to a head on uh, on Saturday. We've got the fight. We've got the NFL Draft. and uh, Kentucky Derby. I mean, the, the first Kentucky sign Derby. of spring up here in the Northeast we consider like the Kentucky Derby springtime. Yeah, so all of that coming up. And, uh, you know, we'll be here to guide you into the weekend uh well, i'll be on again tomorrow and uh stay tuned for talk on other shows but again thank you for listening for Emil calamino i'm chad wilson thank you for listening to the show enjoy the rest of your day to all you high school recruits out there you want to get recruited by the colleges Step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. We've got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up. And let yourself be seen.